0: That help, does not help me. <laughs> okay, here we go. We are going
1: live. And we are live. Okay. Loading. Oh, there we go. We're we live. We are live now. Okay, welcome to the M Talks. This is the fourth time we've done this. I'm pretty sure. Fourth it's or a, fifth time? I I it's marked it up. on here as the fourth. So we're going to go with the fourth. <laughs> this time it is uh, Player's Handbook and. Uh, character building questions that we're going to be focusing on this time because we want to go down and just like fluctuate between the different uh kind of levels so the first one was like super deep second one was like way out there the next one was more dms this one is going to be more for players and helping them maybe helping the dm understand how to help his players better well help their players better so roll for initiative Dang it! I'm always last. I go first. <laughs> Do you want me to swap places
0: with you? are so not last this time. I'll be blue.
1: I'll be green. I'll be red. Are you colorblind? I am <laughs> <laughs> not. I'm pretty sure I'm not colorblind. We have an error. Interesting. YouTube is not receiving enough video to maintain smooth streaming. What? Okay. Go it i coffee. I want a double jet Check here, OBS yes it says it's fine so we're gonna go for it so russell you start us off okay so i had to stop the other day because of the saying of if your friends jumped off a cliff would you follow them and so i thought about if i was a monk yes if i thought so i thought about the our campaign Ventures in Kiljaru and I thought about what order would they all jump off a cliff and this is getting to my question <laughs> give me a second so the order is as follows it would go Mirth <laughs> then Gilzal. surprises no one then Garnet and then Mirth would teleport switching places with Zestra so she would be off the cliff and then Mirth would jump off again after he realized Garnet had followed him so the question is: If this scenario actually happened, and Mirth teleported last second before splatting onto the ground, would Zester take the fall damage?
0: It's instant. Um, I think because if you think about it, it's instantaneous swap. So it's since it's not a portal, there's no momentum following it through. So just you just instantaneously swap places. Mirth might land flat on his face, but he'd. Barely take one damage from that, and Zester would probably just be at the bottom of the cliff wondering what the heck is going on. I
1: would probably agree with that. Like, there's so, no momentum there. If you
0: so you you can save yourself from almost any fall with a small teleport right to the bottom, or you can just portal your way out and hope you live. <laughs> that is an interesting question, though, and all this stemmed from a who would jump off a cliff in what order question.
1: Pretty accurate. <laughs> this, yes. But yeah, I I think there wouldn't be any fall damage if they were to teleport and switch places like that. That's one way to do it. Yes. Yeah. Okay Here we go. Simple question. answered Gamer, okay, Uh you're not Merc. You're James. <laughs> James, <laughs> your question.
0: Why? I'm so used so to awesome.
1: when we're doing D D it's like humor, (laughs) you (laughs) all.
0: Okay. So, not as fun or as well thought of a question as yours, but just your guys' thoughts on the, like, do you prefer taking the starter equipment from the character classes or taking the buying your equipment option? What are your thoughts on buying your own equipment?
1: Personally, I prefer buying it because it allows you to personalize your character more. Um... Especially if you think about backgrounds, for example, like if you were to um, play a criminal background, but then you wanted to play it as if you had the background of criminal, but you'd basically been redeemed, mm-hmm. and you are now like working your way to becoming a paladin or player, you wouldn't necessarily start with chainmail armor, just because how would a criminal really get his hands on it? Beery, Marzini, how are you going to pick it? Pickpocket chainmail armor. You just make them, <clears throat> and so it makes more sense to buy it and just kind of like personalize it, going with like what would they actually have. That and then you have fun builds like a cowboy warlock with a boomerang. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah. It depends <clears throat> on what I'm building the character for. Mm-hmm. If it's a one-shot, I'll usually just do standard, but if I'm building it for roleplay, then I'll roll for the money and actually buy the stuff that that character would have. It just feels more immersive, because if you're actually going out on an
0: adventure, it's not like someone, your parents just come along and hand you all this great equipment.
1: This is what you get to start with as a fighter! <laughs> Unless you're playing Legendary Lineage, which would make more sense.
0: Yeah, Yeah. then you get a bunch of artifact
1: grade hand-me-downs. I don't think you would want artifact grade or (laughs) hand-me-downs. Most artifacts come with pretty bad curses. It is true. Very true. (laughs) A lot of them I don't want. So I've never handed out an artifact. Yes, you have. Or was that me? Which one of us handed out the dragon sphere? Oh, that was you. Oh, that was me. I wasn't the one that touched it, though. <laughs> uh, no, you weren't. <clears throat> different quest, different campaign. We'll explain it later. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> um, that also went along with uh, one of Merlin's questions. He had asked, uh, with equipment, roll for gold or take your standard equipment. And so, answering that, if you want more personalized role-playing, then roll for your gold. Buy what that character would have. Makes it interesting because sometimes you just don't have enough gold for what you would have had with standard. And that's another time I go with standard is if, uh... It gives you more it, than you to get. Yeah, exactly. Or sometimes I'll take the standard, sell all of it, and buy what I want. And that gives you just a little bit more gold sometimes. Or if you want to make it really simple, start with nothing. The whole campaign, you just start with nothing and build your way up. There's actually a written campaign, um, I believe it's out of the abyss, where you start imprisoned with yeah. nothing, except for, like, garbage. And so, then you just have to break out of prison, kill a bunch of drones, escape. And that is literally how you start your campaign with nothing. Interesting. That would be, be a fun campaign. <laughs> and then you'd have to fight the demi Eh, no, and I'll <laughs> No, thank you. Resolve? Resolve. Yeah. Okay. All right, Alan. My question is a little bit more difficult than theirs. Maybe not like difficult, but like it's a three part question. So, what is the difference? And I know the answer, but what is the difference between an action, a bonus action, and a reaction? because there's a lot of players that I've played with where they try to use a bonus action for their reaction or they try to use their reaction for an action or a bonus action and they don't understand reactions and holding their action and all of those different little components. Okay, so there are actually a lot of good videos on the internet already about this, but um, for me, I like to break it down just thinking about How long a round in combat takes, and that is six seconds. That is not a lot of time to do something. So, for example, potion drinking. A lot of people complain that it takes a a whole action to drink a potion, but you have six seconds to chug a vial of who knows how good or bad tasting this liquid is. You have six seconds. And then you have, in that 6 seconds, also 30 feet of movement for the average player. <laughs> Plus, any bonus actions your character is allowed to take. And a reaction during that round if someone were to move away from you during combat to make an attack. Then, if you move on to offhanded attacks, they wonder why you're not able to make more than just the one. It's because your full hand, for example a fighter, at level... I don't remember when they get their last... Is it max level level 20 to make the last yeah. attack so a level 20 fighter can make four attacks yep. in their uh, main hand then if they were dual wielding they can make an offhand attack so that's five attacks in six seconds that's really fast. plus if they action surge that's uh, max 10 yes well that's debatable <laughs> yeah. It says it gives you another bonus action. Potential. Potentially another bonus action. So So it kind of is up to the DM's discretion there. Um, The offhand attack rules, I think, would allow it in action surge. So, yes, 10 attacks. That's really fast, too. Yeah, that's lightning fast. And then you have the shenanigans of a Tabaxi, um, monk. Mixing flurry of blows and a bunch of extra stuff in there. Well, no, I was just talking about dashing. A lot. Because with a Tabaxi monk, and actually, if you were to multi-class into rogue, then you could take the dash action as your action and your bonus action, and use your Tabaxi ability to times your movement speed six times add haste to all that and you get yeah. a mild movement <laughs> in six seconds. <laughs> I think we
0: just created a flash film.
1: Actually it's song, but yes. yeah. <laughs> so the difference between an action and a bonus action, like he said, is the action is pretty much what will take up the entire six seconds. So you have hold action, you have your dash action, your guard You have your attack, use an item, probably should have pulled up my little dash bar. It's not guard, Alan, it's dodge. Dodge, that's what it is, dodge. So if somebody tries to attack you with a dodge, so if you use your action to dodge, somebody has to hit you with disadvantage. That's what the dodge action is. Holding your action, you are literally only holding your action and you have to specify what will trigger your action and what your action will be still. Yes. So when you hold your action, you can either attack, cast a spell, or move. That is all you can do because you're using your reaction. Mm -hmm. So if you hold action, you don't get a reaction. Because if somebody moves and you use your reaction to take an opportunity attack, you lose your hold action. In short,
0: a reaction is something that you're springboard ready for. Like, if this happens, I'm going to do this. That's kind of what a reaction is. Or just an involuntary, oh, a sword's coming at my face. A shield there would be a good option. And to differentiate between action and bonus action, the action would probably be something that, again, takes up most of your time. And your bonus action is something you can do while doing your action or something, it's like multitasking. It's like something so small that yeah, you don't even have to put a second of thought into this. It's done.
1: Yeah. And so in uh, the in our quest, in Adventures in Calgaru, um, James is always asking, can I toss them a potion? <laughs> like, always asking that. And I allow it as a bonus action because he can do that with his offhand attack. Well, not offhand attack. With his offhand while casting a spell with his dominant hand. And so it's like, would that be considered an action? Probably. But he can do it with his offhand, so I yeah, allow you, it. If you
0: consider it as a thrown attack, then it would count. Yeah, exactly.
1: If it's throwing an object as an attack, that would be an action. But since he's just, like, kind of tossing it to somebody as he's doing stuff with his other hand, I usually allow it. Though it did end up breaking a potion time. Yeah, it did break a potion one time. But that's beside the point, and, like, way ahead of what you guys are watching right now (laughs) let's see where spoilers Yeah. oh we still got a little bit of time we'll pull up some questions from Merlin thank you for commenting on our uh, Facebook page um this one's a good one ability scores uh I think he miswrote this one because he asked if you use 3d4s or 4d4s and drop the bottom Um, But it's 3d6s or 4d6s. So, Mm -hmm. this is how he does it. Words it. So, ability scores rolling, also straight uh, assignation, or point by, versus choice of assignation, versus 3d4s, versus 1d20, versus 4d6, drop the lowest, standard array, or point by. Well, I will take this one because I think I'm the one that's used almost all of these. I've used a good portion of them. Okay, (laughs) so, I don't like point buying, um, it doesn't allow you to really access a lot of power, uh... It doesn't allow you to to metamag. Yes, I like my characters to be super powerful and point buying limits you. Um, some people may not like me saying that, but it's true. Um, I really, I enjoy fighting in Dungeons and Dragons, and so if my character's not able to kill something really quick, it's not as fun. And so if I'm limited to basically one 18 stat block e yeah, score, and then the rest of them are like 13 to 10. Yeah, it's awful. Then the other thing I don't like, and Caitlin disagrees with me on this point, is negative stats. I really don't like negative stats. And here's why. If you look at a commoner stat, they're zeros across the board, which means if your character has a negative stat, that means you went backwards by becoming an adventurer. If you started as a commoner, you went backwards. Strength. That means your dump stat intelligence literally got dumber for going on an adventure. Or your dump stat strength has literally gotten weaker by going on an adventure where they hike non-stop. That just doesn't make sense to me.
0: <clears throat> um, I can see kind of the role-play essence for it. Like, take for instance, a a, like for instance a person built their wizard hermit, and they've been, they've been, they uh, they've met either an artifice, like say an artifice or hermit, actually. They spent all their time alone and isolated working on things. It, personally, I think it makes some sense for their charisma stat to go into the negatives, because they don't interact with anybody it would make sense for them to be kind of socially awkward or not know what the heck to say or be really bad at...
1: But isn't their Charisma their <clears throat> spellcasting ability? Mm, I don't know. Not artificial. Artificious is intelligence. If it is intelligence? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just make sure, because that would be really
0: funny. Because if, if, um, if like they Warlocks, their spellcast focus is Charisma because they literally get their magic by making a dark deal with some kind of otherworldly thing. You're not going into that having no social ability whatsoever.
1: <laughs> which actually comes to point out the reason for the um, table for multi-classing. Which limits your ability to multi-class based on your ability scores. Yeah. If you don't, you don't have high-end charisma, you cannot become a warlock. Or a paladin. The demon's gonna look at you and like, you're an idiot, I'm not taking your path. <laughs>
0: Or as the DM could play it, they get strong armed into a stupid pack where essentially you can't do anything, I can do anything the heck I want with you. Yeah. And so no player likes that.
1: A <clears throat> uh, table rule that we usually go off of is if it's below 10, reroll it. There's some times where I really like to have a 10, just for role playing. One character, I even gave him a negative, and I played that up so hard he was a half dragon monk and he had negative 2 strength and it was a crack up because I could not lift anything but I could kill everything because I was so fast (laughs) (laughs) And, and then bringing up d20 versus the 4d6 rule so that's the other thing another reason why I do I don't do it anymore as much just because it does have a habit of being overpowered is the way i roll with d20 rolling for stat blocks and it is with that same house rule of if it's below 10 re-roll it and you roll eight dice and pick the highest six six and you choose where it goes and those are normally the campaigns where i'm Looking for more of a overpowered party because I'm planning on throwing something big at them, Which or for new players who just are really bad at fighting.
0: So, <laughs> so introductory buffer. So for yeah, you guys kind of suck at this, but you have amazing <laughs> stats, so you're probably not going to die to this. Or put give yourself six twenty to give yourself six twenties. I don't care. Your first encounter is with a god. <laughs>
1: yeah, as a start. I like the d20 way less to explain to somebody. It's like, yeah, roll 46 minus off the bottom one. Okay, now put that in this circle. Now divide by 10 and uh, no, minus 10 divide by two, and that's your modifier, and that goes here, here, and here. No, 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 no. <laughs> just have them roll d d20. <laughs> that's so much easier
0: my personal opinion at least on this objectively is the 46 rule gives you some can give you some pretty well balanced stuff and the lowest you can possibly get with this thing is a three and that's if you're incredibly lucky or unlucky rather than your point of view but and the highest you can get is an 18. so you never so it definitely adds a (coughs) role-playing aspect of your characters have some ground to grow air grow here but they're Mm -hmm. never going to be exponentially terrible like on average you get scores of 13 to 17. yeah you generally get some pretty well-balanced scores around, whereas with a d20, at least the personal way I roll it, I don't reroll anything below 10. So if I decide, okay, I'm going to start rolling for stats, here we go eight times, and I'd be a bunch of ones, I might swap out one or two of them, honest, <laughs> but most of the low scores would stay. Because I think you want to be able to get the power to start off with a 20 and a stat, possibly 22 if you're adding racial stuff, yeah. You gotta have to take the bite of ending up with a. Wow! Natural 20. <laughs> You have to take the bite of ending up with a 2 or a negative
1: score somewhere. Yeah. yeah. It's just. I feel like it's it's at least necessary or granted. I mean, when I first started and we were doing natural. When um, we were doing 20s, um, if, if somebody took a stat below um, 10, I'd let them have an automatic 18. And so. If they have a stat below ten, they can have an eighteen, and then everything else they have to choose from what they rolled. Yeah, really, it's just once again up to DM's discretion, and also up to players' discretion. For example, Caitlyn, like right? every time she plays with me, she keeps her negative stats, and I'll let her do that just because she likes it for role playing. Just like James was saying, it makes sense in some scenarios. Um, to me, a half dragonborn with zero strength, Alan. Okay, actually, so, for example, this one actually does make a little more sense. Okay, think about a monk's life. And, for example, this one, he grew up in a monastery. All he did really was meditate and work on dexterity. So, it doesn't make sense in the sense that if you're working on your dexterity, you're also going to up your strength. But... He's not going to be jacked out of his mind because he's not going for muscle mass. He's going for uh, quick, explosive power. <coughs> it was a good character. Yes, <laughs> role playing is fun, but I definitely prefer character—my own personal characters—to have no negative stats. And how's he gross <laughs> I, I'll, I'm okay with some. Do. For example, I normally end up with one or two zeros to ones on my character sheet. I'm not gonna re-roll just because I got a ten. I will keep a ten
0: because zero scores do make a lot of sense. Like this is just the average skill set. People yeah. learn this just by themselves. So you're not exceptionally
1: great at it, but you're not terrible at it. So it's just down to your luck on how well you played something. Exactly. So like a dumb stat intelligence, a lot of people play a zero as being really dumb, but in all reality, unless your intelligence is negative, you're as smart as the average commoner, who, right. granted, are not like brilliant like a wizard, but they're not dumb. They know how to live and read. They're commoners. They <laughs> yeah, have basic skill sets,
0: and since most of them are workers, they probably know more things about farming and killing land than a wizard does. Just because your intelligence stack is so high, it doesn't mean you know everything. You're book exactly. smart. Uh, <laughs>
1: it's where wisdom comes in handy. That's when you're street smart. And why all my wiz- my <laughs> wizards were idiots. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, wisdom was a dumb stat. And charisma. Um, we have time for one more question. Okay. We we kicked that one pretty darn hard. Well, actually, straight um, assigning when you're rolling. Just starting with strength. First one goes to strength. Mm-hmm. I hate that. I've never done that. I think that is ridiculous. Um, it wouldn't give you a lot of, like, if I started that way and then chose my class, background, and everything else based on race based on that. Okay, I think that would be fun. But since I choose my class and race first, then roll my stats, I like being able to personalize it. Yeah, I think it would be fun for flash questing. Everyone, um, uh, here your stats. This is what you were born with, what are you going to do with it? That is also another way of looking at it. If you were to roleplay the sense of... Say you were an above-averagely intelligent orc. Everyone in your family has disowned you because you decided to become a wizard because you're just so darn smart. And you're weak. And <laughs> you're very weak. <laughs> yes. I have played that though, um, but I still picked my class first, and I was playing a wizard, and I was done. And it just didn't work out, so don't do that. If you're going to pick it, pick it afterwards. Um, but yeah, I, I really don't like doing it that way. I prefer choosing where my roles go.
0: Okay, do we have time for another question? Yeah, do you have one? Like how much time do we have?
1: Uh, five minutes. Okay, four and a half, we'll go with it. Dang it, now I have two. So... I mean, um, technically we have like half an hour. We we could go on. Okay,
0: so first question I had is, would you, and this is more for DMs and maybe some players if you agree to this, but can a character, can a person like completely forsake a class and just give up all those levels? Would you allow a player to, like say, like say, like Russell's character was a dumb wizard with no intelligence. They tried and they tried and they tried, but they couldn't do it. So they decide to give up on that and try something else. Would you let them lose all those levels in Wizard and start off again on something new? Because you can, because theoretically you could lose, because you can lose all your paladin levels. Even with Oathbreaking, you can lose all of your paddle- paladin levels. You can... Mattering in a DM theoretically lose your warlock levels. So would you allow for for like story building or just as a fun little mechanic, allow a player to lose all to give
1: up all the levels they put into a class and try something else? Personally, I would say no. And going off of the paladin warlock, technically they may have lost the abilities of those levels, but they technically still have those character levels, which means An experience. They keep the health and experience they have, they just don't have any of the abilities granted by that class. For example, Paladins, I personally would rule that if they were above level 5, they would still have multi attack Oh, yeah. Because they're basically just a a fighter that has sworn an oath, which means that they're still really good at martial weapon fighting, and if they wanted to, like, say, lose all their levels and move on to wizardry, they're still gonna remember how to fight with a weapon. <clears throat> it's basically the same rules as multi-classing. You really wouldn't forget it. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I would just probably have a multi-class, and if they like really want to just like shun it, sure, take away all their like magical mm-hmm. abilities, leave their martial abilities.
0: So here's another idea that came to mind while we've been talking about this. like um, here's like an idea of if you, like say wizardry. It takes a lot of practice, intelligence, and effort to work into this, and it's, some, it's a skill that you have to maintain. So if a player, like, multi-classes and then no longer uses wizard stuff, would like, make it, like a system for, like, either going off in-game time or the amount of sessions that they don't use wizard abilities or spell, they would slowly
1: start losing levels in that class. Sounds very complicated, and really I wouldn't do it, just for the sense of, yeah, that's complicated. And uh, the other thing is, if you think about it, when a player chooses not to use their abilities, really it's just hurting them and helping the DM. And so I wouldn't tell them anything. I'd just be like, okay, I will plan on sessions that will force them to use those abilities that they hate. And if they can't figure out that I'm planning it that way, then they'll just be bashing their sword up against the wall and they could easily cast magic on it. It's true. All right. I enjoy having sessions and like battles where it actually forces people to use every little thing that they have. You've been having fun with that. I've been having having a lot of fun with that. (laughs) And I like watching the players and like picking out how to just like target each person individually.
0: The little villain inside you. Oh
1: my gosh, it's so much fun. Um, I really like playing the Caitlin soft side. You guys notice that? Mm-hmm. Well, I haven't seen many of your sessions with her. So if you watch, I, she has a soft side for if people die. And so if somebody dies and you guys had like bargained for money and somebody dies, she'll turn it down. Every time. Mm. Go back and no watch the sessions. <laughs> it's really fun to pick on you, but. It, it has appeared in every single one of her characters, by the way. Yes, now exactly. That every character that Caitlyn has ever played has that soft side. Yeah. Just and it's, because it's, it's not because of the character. It's just D&D <clears throat> reflects who we are, who we want to be, and... What we aspire to what become. What we aspire to become. Like, that's what D&D is. It's not just a game. Like, this is literally therapy for some people. Like... It allows people to express themselves in ways that sometimes isn't socially co- uh, acceptable. acceptable, and so it allows them to express it in a very orderly way. I mean, saving a town for the sole reason
0: that it has immensely valuable resources, and being the hero of said some, some town gets you some decent brownie points.
1: Yeah, which actually brings me to my tabletop rule of no evil characters. Yes, because when it comes down to it, yes, it can be therapy for some people, but there are certain things that people need to express in other ways, and D and D is not one of them. Yes. I don't want to hear about your blood loss problems. <laughs> yes, go <laughs> so write that down and tear it out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So
0: if we if we have time and you guys don't mind, sure. So. Another question I have, kind of kind of like similar to warlocks, like making deals with things, but not exactly multi into warlock. How would you handle that?
1: Making actually in uh, Tasha's uh, the cauldron? cauldron. is that what it's called?
0: Tasha's cauldron knows right? everything.
1: Yeah, it actually has a section about uh, group patron. So, this is is more prevalent in, they're not magical patrons. This is more prevalent in worlds like Evron. Or in, oh, it's not up there. We need a full-size map. Um, In uh, more futuristic settings, but can be done in medieval settings. Um, So, basically, what it is, is the group is hired by a particular group, for example, in Eberron, the most common is the newspaper, where they're hired, the newspaper will then tell them, okay, this is what you're researching, you're going to do this, don't get caught, we will deny you if you are. (laughs) So, and then, you're basically always being paid. Similar to our fighter campaign, where your group patron is the army. You are in a military, you have to do what the military says, or you get punished for it. And, but the perks are you have all the equipment you require. If something breaks, you can either buy something nice or get the basic equipment that the military will provide for you. Free clothes, a uniform, a place to sleep. You know, exactly. You don't have to pay money to sleep somewhere. You just go to the barracks, they'll give you a bed. Then you also get your weekly pay, which is not something most parties get. Instead, they're getting paid in hundreds of gold pieces every time they complete a quest, but that could be months apart. They have to survive off of these big, large amounts, and if they're awful with their money, they're done for.
0: Unless they find horns.
1: So the patron is a nice way of kind of like sticking a group together permanently um, when they don't want to be together, which is kind of what I've had to do with uh, my sister-in-law multiple times. That's the reason why we're doing a fighter campaign when they're in the military. Because now she can't leave. <laughs> yeah.
0: Kind of, okay, I think I should better explain my question. But that was a very interesting thing, and that was a lovely talking point. I'm like, the kind of beings that warlocks make deals with. Like like a paladin going to the point where they're going to make a deal with something to give them, to give them or their party a little edge, but they're not multiclassing. So, for instance, a bard a bard tags along with a warlock to summon a demon, and then hijacks it all and asks the demon, "Hey, can you give me can you give me night sight if I do
1: one thing for you?" I would call consider <laughs> that I would rule that as okay as long as they're able to role play it well and roll high, high enough. enough. That's the thing. Part of this is, of being a DM, is um, sometimes you just got to be like, dice don't mean anything right now. The story is way cooler without dice at the moment. Like, if (laughs) the player, for example, um, sadly he doesn't watch our videos, I don't think. Um, I had this bard character, and he, it wasn't my character, I was was DMing at the time, um, played by a good friend of mine. And he was so good at role-playing that multiple times I was just like, you know what, roll with advantage. And even with his advantage, if he rolled low, I would just be like, you know what, I'm just going to give this to him. Because, like, the role-play aspect was just so good that, like, I could not deny him the ability of just, like, having followers worshiping him. Like, he was just like, his role-playing was so good. And so, like, if... My players are willing to role play their hearts out for something that they really want. For example, role playing making this deal with the devil, and like being like super subtle about it and stuff like that. I will give it to them because like that is just is awesome. <laughs> if you're willing to think it out and role play that, yes. Really, it just comes down to it's basically just a boon. Like it might yeah, be a minor more. a minor boon, but it's a boon. Yeah. That's what I was gonna say It's like It's just a little gift Pretty much And a lot of demons Will make deals with people I, A lot I of will so, so, I,
0: I think in the Nine of Hells For a couple of their layers, Currency is souls Yeah, yeah. So You make deal. They make deals with
1: things It's their whole point and job Yeah That's and why you work with devils And not with demons Yes And if you make Too big of a thing A deal with a the demon Then you might have to Multiclass into a warlock <laughs> So it's
0: The big difference is Warlock patrons' deals are a lot more complex, it's a more permanent thing. Whereas instead of, hey, you scratch my back, I scratch your back, you scratch
1: mine. So the other thing is, you have to be very careful with this, and this is for a warning to all players who are wanting to pull a James in this. (laughs) Not everyone is as smart as (sighs) James, hey, and your DM may just give you night vision for one minute. After doing what the devil said, because you did not mention that you wanted it permanently. Or he may give you no vision until you're in darkness. So there's a lot of ways that the DM can twist your words because it's their job. And it makes sense. A
0: job typically, the kinds of creatures you make deals with that would do these kinds of things for something so menial or small is they will twist it around and mess with it and get as much evil mileage out of this as they
1: can. Yes. It's like a wish spell on a genie. Yes. If you get if they can trick you into making another one to reverse what you just did at, so that they can get you to do more for them, mm-hmm. the better. I think the best way to describe it is when making
0: when at least for d for DMs, when you're roleplaying a genie or a devil or something, and your player's trying to make a deal or get a wish out of it, the mindset should be try to get as much as you can for as little of a cost. The <clears throat> creature or NPC is trying to get as much out of this without doing hardly anything. Or doing
1: something that really inhibits the person. And
0: in most cases, they are very well conscious of the fact that I don't need you, I don't need what you're offering. If you're not willing to pay this, get the heck out. I'm done. Very true, very true. That's all the questions I have for today.
1: Okay, that brings us to a a good amount of time. Mm -hmm. So, like, subscribe if you wanna watch more of these. Um, next time, we'll probably go into more deeper questions, just to keep it rotating and very interesting. If you have
0: more questions, yeah. leave them in the comments section, or go to our Facebook page and post them there. Merlin has done a lot of that for you, and we bless you for it,
1: Merlin. Yes, we haven't even scratched the surface of all the questions that he asked, but we're going to cut it here. Like, subscribe, share with your friends. Buy our merch. Yeah, buy our merchandise. We always have the links for the uh, Facebook page and the Teespring page down in the uh, description. So, we love you. Watch our videos. watch are coming out. And have a great day. And stream. Are we off the air?